Closer Look is a public affairs presentation. Views and opinions of the guests don't always reflect the views of the ministry, and some topics aren't suitable for children. K-Love is committed to community. Closer Look continues with a look at local agencies, events, and issues. Welcome to Closer Look. I'm Ed Lenane here in Washington. We're at the Capitol Hill office of Congressman Louis Gohmert, who represents Texas's 1st District. The congressman serves on the House Judiciary Committee and the House Natural Resources Committee. Uh, linked, to both, uh, linked to both, I should say, is his work on various subcommittees, like the Subcommittee on Crime, Terrorism, and Homeland Security. He also participates in a number of House caucuses, including the Congressional Prayer Caucus. He has served as a deacon and a Sunday school teacher back in his hometown church in Tyler. He's married to Kathy, and together they have three daughters. Congressman Gomert, nice to have you with us. It's great to be with you. And talking to somebody with a beautiful, melodic voice like yours, uh, I wished I had one, but... I'm stuck with what I got. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Well, congratulations on your recent re-election to Congress, giving you an eighth term now here in Washington. Uh, I think you're now moving closer to a decade and a half under your belt in Congress. I never expected to be here this long. I, I, I'm kind of a fan of term limits, but it also occurs to me that it'll take somebody that's been here a while to get something like term limits through. But um, And it's not for want of... Um, Asking the Lord, if there's some place I can be of better service, show me, <laughs> nudge me that direction because uh, I'm willing to serve anyway, anywhere. And uh, there are more fun places you could be than here. I'm beating your head against the wall at times. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you feel like you got a few things figured out at least now by now? Well, look, I've been praying for wisdom since I was six, and my mom used to, younger age than that, read the story about Solomon, and I was so impressed, you know, that he asked for wisdom. Most days since I was six, I've been asking for wisdom, and the more knowledge, not necessarily wisdom I have, the more I know I don't have. It's very clear. But, um, oh, and by the way, that verse, you know, we're told if you ask for wisdom, God will give it. The problem with that verse is it doesn't put a time limit there you on go. when he gives it to you. So, you know, you can pray for 50 years and still <laughs> and <laughs> and not have wisdom. I know God's going to give it at some point, but uh, I'm still waiting on that. But in, <laughs> in the meantime, though, I, I was pleasantly surprised when I first got here to find how many really devout Christians there are in Congress. But was also as surprised to find out how many people there were that ran for the right reasons, got elected for the right reasons, and then got here and were persuaded by the mantra of both parties. Um, the number one most commonly made uh, statement during my orientation from Republican leaders was the best thing you can do for your country is get reelected, and at first I chewed on that. Well, but then ultimately, that's just not true. You know, there may be some time you have to take a stand and do what's right, like Sam Houston did when he stood against secession. And uh, sometimes you have to take a stand. And uh, you know, you look at the end of uh, for Peter, for Paul, for you know John, so many of the disciples. Uh, uh, it wasn't always a glorious ending of this 
terminal life, but glorious where they went after this. So it's not always um, a thing of beauty here working in Congress, but uh, it is truly a place of service if you do it right. Well, when was the point and what was it that moved you towards deciding to run in the first place? Um, actually, <laughs> there was a progression of things. My mother, through the 80s, would say th- after she got over that I went to law school instead of medical school, uh, she would say, you know, God meant for you to be a public servant and you'd be a good judge. And I go, Mother, I make more money than judges. I I, I, I wouldn't want to be a judge. Um, you know, I, it, some of these lawyers are terrible. I wouldn't want to sit and listen to them all day. It's no desire. But when uh, her brain tumor took her in January of 91, started thinking about the things my smart mother used to say, very strong about Christians. She taught Sunday school most of her adult life. But... Um, I had a judge uh, before whom I just had a hearing on a civil breach contract trial, uh, trial coming up in about 10 days, and he called up, and my assistant said, the judge is on the phone. I said, well, is the other lawyer on the phone? Because you're not supposed to talk about a case unless the other lawyer's there. No, it's just the judge. Hey, judge, can I help you? Well, yeah, I was was a mighty fine-looking woman you had in my court uh, the other day. You think she'd go out with me? And... I told him I couldn't help him, and anyway, I knew we needed a new judge. He was an older gentleman, and there had been rumors about issues he had, but now it was presented personally. I didn't want to throw my fleece out and test God, but I'm going, Lord, help me find somebody good to run, and then I'll know I don't have to. And after six months, it was basically uh, Thanksgiving. Um, my wife told me after her quiet time, you know, Louie, I've got a piece about you running. I said, I got there last night. And so ran for judge, felt like that was what I was supposed to do. The guy I beat had not lost in 30-something years, but um, one was 70% of the vote. And during those years uh, on the bench, I believed in not legislating, but I had to follow the law as it was, but came to realize, you know, we've got some really stupid federal laws that lure people away from reaching their great potential, and that ought to change. And so it began to bother me. And actually, um, when people were worried about, uh, oh, it was 2000 you know, December 31st, Y2K. I wasn't worried about Y2K, but because, uh, you know, I figured we were going to be all right. But we did have a um, bringing the new year in at our church. And that night, you know, I just pray, Lord, I don't know where you want me, but I promise you, if I will be in your word every day if you'll just show me, nudge me, give me some idea where I ought to go. And it was after that I started thinking, you know what, this may be where I'm supposed to go. So in 2003, I had to make a decision. Did I want to start making a lot of money? I just finished 
certification course as an international mediator. I finished uh, an unexpired term as chief justice of a court of appeals, and I was being told you can make a lot of money doing this. The governor had said he could appoint me to another judicial um, position if I wanted an appellate position. And I told him, no, I think I'm supposed to run for Congress. And so I ran for Congress, gave up the big bucks once again, and um, got elected. And here, and you here I am. Yeah. yeah. Your background also includes your military experience ser- serving in the Army. You rose to the rank of captain there. How is the background overall, your time on the bench, uh, things you've done in business, uh, your military background, how has that uh, prepared you for your time in Congress now? You know, it's all been very, very helpful. Of course, my four years on active duty, that came from uh, an Army scholarship at Texas A&M. But um, the more varied experiences you have in the real world before you come to Congress, the better legislator you are. And I have some young people that say, hey, I want to be in Congress someday. Um, Do you think the best preparation would be like being an intern or coming to work in a congressional office? I said, well, that would prepare you for a day to day. But the best experience you could have to come to Congress is all kinds of different jobs before you come. So I did a lot of construction work growing up. I'd been an exterminator, worked on farms and ranches, kept up a golf course in Mount Pleasant. You know, I've been a teller in a bank. I had done so many different jobs, and every single one of them helped make me a better, including the, the four years on active duty, since we deal constantly with issues regarding the military. All of those contributed to help me make uh, a better member of Congress. You are listening to Closer Look. I'm Ed Lenane. I'm here in Washington visiting with Congressman Louis Gohmert from Texas's first district. Let's take a look at that district, all right? 12 counties spread out over about 120 miles, uh, almost stretching to the eastern border of Louisiana based on your time now in Congress. What do you think some of the top issues that people in your district would say, this is really important to me? Well, one of the, I mean, the number one issue we've heard from people on is that um, we need a secure border to the south. And from a compassion standpoint, if, even if you didn't care at all about Americans, if you simply had compassion for the people south of the border, the very mo- best thing we could do, the most compassionate thing we could do is not to try to bring in 30 million people from south of the border or 50 million. It, it would destroy what we have here, but secure our border. That would dry up the money, the billions of dollars going to the drug cartels who terrorize Mexico and and actually make it a corrupt country. You dry up that corruption funded by the drug cartels by securing our border, then I see Mexico as being one of the top 10 economies in the world, hardworking people. If we really care about people south of the border, we ought to stop the funding of the drug cartels. And then that, you know, we had over 70,000 Americans die from drug overdoses. Much of that drug came across illegally through our southern border. So that seems to be still the number one thing. People are still hurting from 
they, the insurance they lost, the doctors they lost through Obamacare. Obamacare cut $716 billion from Medicare. A lot of seniors have finally figured out, whoa, I know President Obama said that cut wouldn't affect me, but now they're not paying my doctor, and so he's not taking care of me. So there are a lot of people that are suffering, uh, though we've had the best health care system in the history of the world. It needs fixing, and it's an embarrassment to me that Republican leadership did not do more to repeal and replace what we had, as people are still hurting from that, and I'm still hearing about that. But the economy's improving. I'm, I'm glad to keep hearing from people back home, more people employed. They're doing better. Uh, some are having equal quarters to what they had last year, but uh, uh, many of them are reporting they're doing better. So that's that's an encouragement. But another number one issue, and it's something that you're all about, is uh, what appears to be a war on God and Christianity. And that is taking place. Of course, we know, you know, it's uh, we're in a sp spiritual war here. And I love what C.S. Lewis said, you know, he was talking about dualism, this idea of two different forces at war in the universe and we're not sure which one is going to win kind of like star wars but he says we're there's a war but it's not between equals it's between a master and a servant uh, a rebel i believe he said and we happen to be living in rebel occupied territory of course he goes on to say can you imagine being behind enemy lines and you get a bunch of messages from your home headquarters and you won't even open them we got a book of messages from our home headquarters, and we need to be reading them. But it is a spiritual war, and there's nowhere more evidence of that than right here in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. I mentioned at the start here of uh, your participation in home church life, also here in Congress in the Congressional Prayer Caucus. I think some might be surprised to learn that, first of all, there is such a thing as a prayer caucus in Congress. It's got a sizable number of participants. You do cross the political divide there. You want to share a little bit about that? Well, the prayer caucus mainly was, um, uh, it starts the first night we get back. Sometimes that's Monday night, sometimes Tuesday night. But between the first vote and the second vote, we usually have, you know, 20, 25 minutes. And that's a good time for all of us. We've just gotten back from the weekend, talk about prayer needs that we each know of and have and uh, concerns, and that's really the impetus for the prayer caucus. We also have Thursday morning prayer breakfast from 8 to 9. Uh, I've co-chaired that a uh, few years, um, and that driven by the same thing, a Christian group, bipartisan, come together, and uh, uh, we not only have prayer for prayer needs, but also hear a testimony from one of the members uh, each week, and you find out things, walks that brothers and sisters have been through, you had no idea. And they won't ever talk about some of these things, but in the privacy of a meeting where we don't talk about what people say, it really does do an amazing job of bringing people together. I would imagine, you know, your time away from home and family can wear on you a little bit. Let's talk about balance for you between home life and Washington life. How's that work for you so far? You know, I don't think I could have done this job if my girls were, we had three daughters, 
if they were still at home and in school. I, I, I don't know if I could have uh, left that. But, uh, you know, my wife and I, we've been married over 40 years, and uh, it feels like I'm coming to war during the week, and I get to go home on leave every weekend. So it's always good to, to go back. But when you are in a war, it's good to have these. There's a, another group. We have Bible study together from 7 to 8 on Wednesday mornings. So, uh, and I don't miss a day of being in God's Word. Uh, so it, uh, that what is what keeps me going. And there's so many people at home and around the country that I know are praying for me every day. Um, my grandmother is dead and gone. She used to pray for me every day. And my mother's been gone for some time. I have a wonderful stepmom, but no, no. She and dad pray for me every day. Kathy, we pray for each other, pray for our girls. But uh, it's the prayer that I have no doubt it keeps me going. I don't sleep much here. You know, it's probably average three or four hours sleep a night at most. Um, I try to make it up, you know, at least one night every couple of weeks. But uh, but there's just so much to do, and I don't let myself lie down until I've um, accomplished everything I know has to be done for the next day. And again, re-election for you means you're kicking off your eighth term in Congress. No matter what the future holds, Congressman, uh, whenever your time in Congress does come to an end, what's the one thing that you hope constituents of your district will remember you by? Uh, honesty. Uh, saying what I believed and doing what I say, walking the walk. Um, and I hope they will see that I've made a difference by being here. You know, there's some uh, some folks that don't care for me will say, well, you know, he hadn't gotten anything done since he'd been there, which is just absolutely not true. But for some time, but since I do speak truth to my own party power uh usually if i need something passed i will draft it and do the homework and then find somebody on the committee of jurisdiction and persuade them and sometimes they're surprised that uh, i would give them a good bill but you know it's more important to get it passed uh i did when I uh, was trying to get Kerry's law passed to eliminate the prefix, no matter the multi-line phones, just so you can dial 911. So I lost a constituent in Marshall because her daughter was dialing 911, not knowing she had to dial a prefix. But um, I was talking to somebody on the committee and said, you know, you're on the committee jurisdiction. I'd like for you. He said, Louis, this is a good bill. We'll we'll do this even with your name on it. So so every now and then there's something like that. But most of what I try to get done, um, I do through other things. There have been bills that became law. And because people thought I was, you know, so right wing, uh, they never knew and the senate never knew that in the negotiations i was called in to um review the senate language change it up make a the counter proposal until we got language mutually agreeable i've done that kind of thing uh and they just didn't know because there would have been senators that gomert did this are you kidding me uh, but uh, you know getting it where it made sense and was fair 
Congressman, what's the best way to contact you and your office in case someone listening wants to reach out? Well, we have an 800 number that's uh, 866-535-6302, or you can just um, email Louie, L-O-U-I-E, dot Gomert, G-O-H-M-E-R-T, at mail, M-A-I-L, dot house, dot gov. Um, Twitter, at Rep. Louis Gomert. And um, you can go to gomert.com, www.gomert.com for my campaign website. So they're all out there. We'd love to hear from people. My thanks again to Congressman Louis Gomert, who is our guest here on Closer Look. Congressman, thanks for having us in today. Are you kidding? What a treat. Thank you for being here. This has been Love Closer Look. Find us online at klove.com.